Welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. This is our our first show. We thought we'll, we'd kick this thing off uh, here during this beautiful Bitcoin Infinity Day, uh, second annual Bitcoin Infinity Day. So, so this is basically a uh, a light-hearted Bitcoin philosophy show, or, or that's that's our intention. And we intend to have guests on um, as often as we can, and talk about Bitcoin and whatever. We. Almost had Michael Saylor on today, but he apparently he was busy doing other things. Uh, he did tweet about Infinity Day, though, so ch- cheers to that. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, cheers to that. Cheers to everyone uh, participating and joining in on this because it's uh, it's more than it's 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 a it's a meme originally from you, Knut, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's turning into a lot more than that for good reason. Yeah, uh, we announced this. Uh, I, I saw some historical tweets. I've been following the uh, Bitcoin Infinity Day hashtag and, of course, checking my own notifications all day. And there's like things happening every second. So it's kind of weird. Um, but I saw some historical uh, tweets uh, about what actually happened last year when we came up with this thing. And apparently the first tweet about Bitcoin Infinity Day was on the 8th of August uh, last year. Uh, so that's why when I tweeted out and tweeted uh, tweeted out that the eighth uh, eight eight that should be the uh, Bitcoin Infinity Day, and then someone suggested to me that why don't you make the twenty first uh, the Infinity Day instead? Uh, so that's what we did. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, While you do that, maybe maybe this is uh, the the time to actually go official with this. Uh... Yeah, this is the Freedom Footprint show, and this is our show number one, our Bitcoin Infinity Day launch party. And I'm going to be hosting, sort of, or keeping things a little bit uh, organized with uh, these two guys here. Uh, and, uh, my name is Luke, and I'm, uh, I also go by BTC Pseudofin, and I'm helping out on Consensus Network. I'm also here with Knut Svanholm and Nico from Consensus Network. So... That's us, and uh, here we go. Freedom footprint number one. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, what are we going to talk about today, Luke? I guess we're going to talk about Bitcoin Infinity Day, and I guess we're going to talk. Uh, Nico, you have some uh, some news for everyone too regarding the stuff we're doing. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Nico is the CEO of the Consensus Network, which is the publishing house that I've been using for releasing my latest book, Everything Divided by 21 Million, uh, which I have here, I happen to have here. And uh, there's a few things to be say, said about this cover as well. This thing here on the bottom, that's called the Infinity Key. And this is a piece of art that Fractal Encrypt uh, created last year in honor of Bitcoin Infinity Day. And he auctioned out one out of 21 private keys and he sold uh, 210 of the public keys. Uh, They were identical, uh, but had different backgrounds on the placard that they're glued onto. And uh, this week you'll be able to uh, uh, compete in an auction for uh, one out of three artists proofs for for this for this thing here uh i have one michael saylor has one and you could be the lucky owner of the third 
Bitcoin artist proof infinity key. Um, so, and all of the proceedings from that, all the profits from that will go to, uh, to Hodlonot's uh, legal case fund, defendingbitcoin.com, I, th- I believe the, the, the address is, defendingbtc.com. I think that's it. Uh, the hashtag is we are all Hodlonot. So if you don't know about that, that's like uh, my my dear friend Hodlonot, Mr. Cat, and his legal battle against the only person on earth that isn't Satoshi. And uh, Fractal will be auctioning out one of these, and I'll be auctioning out this book, actually. This is what I've written in it to make it special. <laughs> uh, it's a hard copy version of this book for this special dedication uh making uh, i'm trying to make this a special thing uh we'll see how it works um the auction starts on tuesday i believe or maybe wednesday um they're both both auctions will be on scarce.city and uh all the proceedings will go to uh hodlonot's legal fund trying to help him fight this evil this evildoer yeah, I'm glad you're mentioning this, Knut, uh, off the bat, because I think in terms of what this means for us on Bitcoin Infinity Day, just in thinking about how it affects everyone and how this whole we are all hodlinot thing. I was thinking about this before we, we started. I've uh, if, if you go to my Twitter and, and see that, and then I think, Knut, you're the same, and many, many other people are are, are showing their support for, for hodlinot there. And 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 I was thinking, is this some kind of, is it virtue signaling to do this? And I and I think really no, because we all have a stake in in what this this is. This isn't this isn't a, a battle against uh, just just one just one of us. This is this is something that affects everyone in the community, and it could be any one of us. So I I uh, I think it resonates that that on Bitcoin Infinity Day we we emphasize the unity that we all share absolutely yeah absolutely i I agree with that and uh people of of course can always make the case that it's just virtual signaling but it's a trade that's that's all all that it is everything is a trade and this is uh uh this is an especially long-term trade like we converge as bitcoiners as a weapon and we strike back to bullies and and bad actors and this is kind of like the basis of toxic Bitcoin maximalism as well. But uh, it, it goes even beyond that, because if you're into Bitcoin, if you understand Bitcoin and you want, want a future where, where your grandchildren can thrive, then, you know, this is the bet that you make and we, we need to converge together and work together. Yeah, and the thing about selling your soul or selling your reputation uh, is that you can only do it once. There are no refunds once you sell your soul. And that's why uh, toxic Bitcoin maximalism is so important because it separates the good seeds from the bad ones very efficiently. Uh, and we can we can clearly see who sold out and who didn't. So we can see who is trustworthy and who's not. And when you interact with those that are trustworthy, you can <laughs> you can do anything. You, uh, a whole new universe opens up when you realize that this is a family member, this is a brother or a sister that is also a Bitcoiner and a true one. 
because instantly you realize that you won't even need to use money at all because you trust each other. So, so you're like family. And I believe this, this aspect of Bitcoin to be very underrated. Uh, what this having this base layer of truth in society, what it does is, is that it enables us to trust each other again, ironically. Uh, and it's, it's beautiful. And here you have a battle, a legal battle between the most trustworthy person in the in the universe, as far as I'm concerned, against the least trustworthy person in the universe. So, uh, yeah, I know who I'm vouching for. It's the classic battle of good and evil, right? Everybody loves that story. Yeah, it's a David and Goliath story also, because this uh, this fraudster has a lot of money, and he thought that. Uh, this particular Bitcoiner would just, uh, you know, pay up and uh, say say that he's sorry, but he didn't. He he stood his ground, and yeah, he's a cool guy for sure. Just emphasizing here that's defendingbtc.com if you want any information on this defense effort. Now, I think this has already been a little bit of a, a hint at, at the topics of conversation and even just with a, a little bit of a little bit of a um, prompt yeah we we get going here and i i think maybe at this stage it might be a good idea to talk a little bit about the freedom footprint idea and about the name so knut did you have a take on this one to start us off uh, freedom footprint uh it's a it's a quote from from my latest book uh and uh it's about how freedom, uh, how Bitcoin emits freedom dioxide, and that we should all strive to increase our freedom footprint. And it's sort of a play on words to to annoy the uh, environmentalists uh, or so-called environmentalists who don't really understand that Bitcoin is the solution to any problem, societal problem you can come up with, including environment like climate change and whatnot the whatever is wrong with what we're doing now is all based in the fact that we're over consuming and why are we over consuming why does gdp has have to to rise to go up everywhere uh, every year everywhere in every country it's only because of fiat the fiat monetary system which incentivizes us to to spend rather than to save so that's what we're trying to get away from. And we do that not by decreasing our carbon footprint, which is for the most part bullshit, like uh, extra tax on plastic bags and stuff like that. I, I heard somewhere you, had, you, need, to, you need to use a, a textile bag uh, 20,000 times to compensate for one plastic bag because it's so wasteful to, to use cotton bags uh, because of how they produce them. So regardless of what you, what you think is true or not true about the climate and uh, environmentalism in general, uh, you should know a couple of things. Uh, first of all, that overconsumption is always the problem. And second, that a politician cannot solve these problems ever. A politician can only make them worse. Uh, so that's the thing. Politicians can't change the weather, and neither can you. But you can you can choose to realize that 
that which you can do you, without you own. And that's what Bitcoin... Oh, that's another... <laughs> that That's a, that's a cure equation. BTC plus H2O <laughs> to BTCO2 plus uh, HFSP. HFSP obviously standing for hashed final settlement protocol and nothing else, right? So, uh, uh, yeah. Po uh, hiring a politician to solve any kind of societal problem is a bit like hiring a convicted pedophile to ba babysit your kids or uh, hiring an arsonist uh, to be the CEO of the fire brigade. Which you can see all over the world and in all these institutions where where complete morons uh, are put in charge of nuclear power plants and such. It's it's kind of uh, depressing. But then we have this bright orange light in the end of the tunnel, and that is Bitcoin, and it's uh, it's coming for us all, especially these crooked politicians that are everywhere. So there is how we get to this name, uh, Freedom Footprint. And I guess the idea, if we're connecting this a bit literally, is that Bitcoin is the means to increase the freedom footprint, or at least that's the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, somewhat oh. on the mark? Yeah, I guess it is. I, I was reading a question here. Uh, there's someone here calling me out saying that politicians are doing good things. And yes, of course, there are better and worse politicians, uh, but the problem is goes deeper than that. Uh, the problem stems from unsound money and from inflationary fiat currencies. When we, uh, when the world went off the gold standard in the beginning of the last century, uh, something happened, and finally, when Nixon. Uh, disconnected the, the dollar from gold in 1971. Uh, everything's been insincere since, um, to a higher and higher degree every year. Uh, because that that's where the lies, the all the societal lies that we're being spoon-fed, uh, they, they, they come from, from the fact that, uh, that you, you do not get into positions of powers of power by by being the best you can be and by your merits and what you've actually done uh you get into positions of power by playing these games uh these political games for for fiat monetary gains and uh by taking on too much risk and by associating with the wrong people and the wrong narratives and the 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 cantillon effect is in full force and it uh it feeds those uh, that are closest to the monetary spigot, and those aren't the most trustworthy people. On the contrary, they're the least trustworthy people because they're the ones uh, that are her printing the money. Um, so fix the money, fix the world. Uh, it's really true. Uh, you have to do. You have to. Do, you can't start from any other point. Uh, if you fix the money, you fix everything else too. And uh, you get trustworthiness in all the other layers of society too. Yeah, I think this is the key point here that solidified my orange pilling. And I think for the benefit of, I'm, I'm going to be the most unknown of the three of us here at this stage. But the 
my path to Bitcoin in real brief is that I was moving across the world to Finland of all places. And uh, maybe we can talk about those reasons another time. But uh, the process of doing that, I found it to be a little bit easier to put some things into cryptocurrency. And I mean that specifically. I, I was not yet uh, fully uh, convinced on, on Bitcoin. And this was the height of when things were, uh, you know, this bull run and, and all that. But, but slowly I started to realize and understand some of these things, whether it be the fix the money, fix the world to say it briefly, or other ideas related to Bitcoin scarcity, things like that. Regardless, in brief, I fell down the rabbit hole hard, and now I'm happy to be doing some things to uh, help spread the message. So I'm hoping with this show we can explore ideas like this one. We won't always have guests. When we do, it'll be, uh, well, we'll talk about whatever we talk about, but when it's just uh, the three of us or uh, even a subset of the three of us sometimes, uh, we'll, we'll try to uh, tackle some of these deep and difficult topics and uh and so that's my my view and my hope for the show yeah i, I would uh, also echo that politicians are not the issue like you could argue that we are politicians we are affecting people's opinions that's basically what a politician does and, and is uh, you know capable of doing the the issue is the incentive model that fiat currency mess, messes up and the cantillion effect which means that you know when you're close to the money spigot um, no, no person who has been in that position has ever resisted the urge to line their their own and their friends' pockets with the with the fresh money first. So that's how you see these uh, rises and falls of 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 the empires. And I would say that um, religion has been used throughout human history to control people. Right? It's not about faith. It's not about spirituality. It's about control. Um, at the, at the risk of uh, rubbing some people wrong, but you know, I'm I'm not saying that you know being spiritual is is stupid or anything like that. It's just that organized religion is very very eerily similar to organized state religion, which is what I believe that is the is the common belief now. Maybe it used to be Christianity or some other religions. Um, there was high priest churches. You would go and you you would pay your your taxes or your dues to buy a ticket to heaven. So the issue is is not the politicians themselves; it's the ideas they represent. So, for example, an idea of of afterlife that you you know once you atone for your sins and you pay, most of all, uh, you pay the appropriate fee, then you will get the ticket to the heaven. And and in the state religion scene where where we live now uh, in the fiat standard, um, a lot of people would classify themselves as maybe not atheist but a religious or or you know non religious. But then they follow. What's everything. the difference? <laughs> uh, That's what the I, word I, means. I, I, yes, I, I, no. I, I would say that. Well, you know, we can go on for for, for, for this this conversation. <laughs> but I would say that briefly uh, that atheism is uh, actively going against uh, religion and God, and a religious people just don't really give a shit. Uh, but however. They do have this state religion and this belief in this new high priest that we call experts and uh, you know whatever some, field. Some so, of them, yeah. 
not all. So, so so now it's it's just changed that now you pay tax you have to pay taxes to you know kill the cow farts to save the weather. Um, you know it's 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 no different idea from from uh, you know ticket to heaven because that's what you're buying. You're buying yourself a good conscience that you can sleep at night. And yeah, like I, I think the technical term f- for like a modern environmentalist is uh, is a deluded hippie. <laughs> yeah, uh, the yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, like uh, like the religions of old told us that if we just believe in an afterlife, we uh, uh, we. Uh, we're, we're guaranteed to to have one, and uh, that was sort of uh, provided a tool for the psychopaths in charge uh, back then to use us to send our kids into wars with neighboring tribes. Uh, today we have the same thing because the, the the thing that gives our lives value is the scarcity of the time that we have on this earth. Um, if it's limitless, if you were immortal and indestructible. You could always postpone every deliberate action till later on, uh, and you could do that indefinitely if you were truly, if you would truly live forever, and you were truly indestructible, then you would never have to do anything. Uh, so, so I believe the only thing that that gives us uh, gives our our lives value or why we assign value to things is because we're not immortal. Um, and what what our current religion for those for those of us who believe in fiat i i think the problem is appeals to authority on the whole like that we shouldn't we shouldn't replace one religion with another uh but we shouldn't cling on to the old one either we should we should admit to ourselves that most of these things are not providing any value to uh to what we're doing here and now and I do believe that you can derive morality from other sources, and you actually can uh, find an ought from an is uh, by by studying praxeology and just basic philosophy. I think, therefore, I am. Uh, if I act as if other people do too, then uh, my life will have a better outcome, most probably. So I'd better interact with other people as if they were thinking beings themselves and in being thinking beings they would have to act and they would be influenced by incentives so they would also have value hierarchies hierarchies in their heads uh, and they would put priority prioritize one thing over another uh, at all times uh, because that's how we choose what what we do so, so I think that you can very easily derive morality from that, and you can very easily see that violent interactions are not as effective as voluntary ones. Um, I'm reading a comment here. This, uh, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I, think, I, I, think, I think maybe maybe uh, on this on this topic, uh, one last point. Uh, uh, about no. kind of the morality and the the yeah, but I, I I'm reading a comment that kind of pisses me off because morality has little to do with Bitcoin fundamentally, and I think this person is misunderstanding Bitcoin fundamentally, because what um, what 
a statement like that reveals to me about that person is that he thinks that Bitcoin is a protocol or a network or a money. But that's just a tiny, tiny core of what Bitcoin is. But Bitcoin, the idea is way bigger than that. And I do not mean blockchain, the idea or crypto, the idea. That's not what I'm talking about here, because what what this truly does when you when you realize what you got in your hands when you know a bitcoin private key or have access to one is that there's no distinction between knowing and owning anymore and you have something that cannot be diluted by a third party ever so you know that you have something that can store value over time or that is very likely to store value over time uh, and the more you have and the longer you hobble the more you realize that you can be something else than what you are at the moment in this fiat running after every dollar bill kind of existence that you're stuck in at the moment. And you can become a more, uh, a, a better being that, that voluntarily helps other people. Us three here on this podcast, we, uh, we don't charge each other for this. We don't try to monetize it. We don't do anything like that. We're just trying to provide value to other people by by speaking about these ideas that had a profound impact on us and i think that's bitcoin's killer app is you the the individual and uh because it empowers you so much and it uh, it teaches you if you listen for the signal in the noise and you and you truly understand what the idea of uh, absolute finite mathematical scarcity means in the long run is so much more than than mere money it's uh it's everything and it will it will change you to the core and you will be become a better person i promise you um, yeah uh, yeah that's that's so true like I, I like to talk about the flip like people talk about flippening the, the crypto people i like to talk about flippening of the mind like i i see a lot of uh people in the bitcoin scene that understand Bitcoin very well in, in technical level. Uh, some of them are even what I call Bitcoin socialists, which much, must be the most confused group of humans ever lived. Um, Bitcoin goes way deeper than that. It's not just a protocol. Uh, you know, in, in fact, you know, the protocol is what makes, makes this possible. It makes, makes it possible to have unconfiscatable hard money available to everybody. That's what enables everything else that Bitcoin is. And well, if you're not willing to flip in your mind into this, like we, we can have, a, we can totally kind of like start over, like, you know, just division of labor and just helping each other because we want to, not, not because we want to help each other, because we want to get ahead ourselves, like everything is a selfish act. So, so to that end, it, it just makes so much sense to work together because you can achieve your goals like we do. Um, if, if we did this by ourselves, uh, it would be less effective. Now we have three minds that work, work together. It's not because we want to help each other. That's just part of it. The point is that we want to get ahead ourselves. And by, by, by doing it together, we, we, we get there better. We get there faster. And that's that's the basis of uh, you know all human civilization development division of labor and proof of work so you actually have to work for it you, you can't just say words and that's what politicians do you know they just use words to to control narratives and there's no proof of work and that's what bitcoin fixes it, it fixes the money the base protocol layer money 
that allows us to like we call it a trustless protocol right but you know counterintuitively uh, it actually re-enables trusting others and free cooperation maybe if i can uh take a little bit of a stab at the first principles part of of this because this is this is again me coming from the uh the the newer pleb perspective uh i think this this uh the whole concept of the the difference between the protocol and then the philosophical morality side of it it's it, to, to me it was all these things that i'd been exploring in other avenues areas like psychology philosophy things like that and it was all stacking up one on top of the other the concept of of um time preference for example being a an analogy to the concept of religious sacrifice essentially uh, in the sense that if you have uh, a society that's just starting to try to get to a lower time preference type thing they're going to start making religious sacrifices which is their crude way of doing something that uh is intended to signal preserving value into the future maybe if, if they're not necessarily doing it quite the the right way but my my point in saying this is that my the the reasons for for bitcoin being so tied to the philosophy that's enabled by this technology layer and that i hope will have effects into the future and i think that's the same for for all of us the the reason i think this is was so it just stuck with me to the point where it's all consuming for me now is is that it just made so much sense once i peeled back the layers and the the fakeness of all the other coins out there or the the fiat ideas that were that were rolling around in my my brain this this was the thing that tied just everything together and started to make life make more sense if that makes sense absolutely i i think time preference and its connection to to spirituality if you will can be be explained even easier than that uh and that is like imagine the highest a person with the highest time preference possible that's a person that owns nothing if 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 you don't have food or shelter or, or if you don't own anything then you become fearful and you act upon instinct and you just try to survive that's a low that's a high time preference that's what it is so so fear is on one side of that spectrum and on the other side what's on the other side uh, on the other side there are uh like what 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 you can actually do when you know that you will be able to keep your wealth uh, over long periods of time and that's just endless good stuff so that's love on the other side of the spectrum your your ability to love your your fellow man and other people you, you can afford to be more altruistic now fiat does not do that uh because if you're fiat rich if you're a billionaire in terms of dollars you do not necessarily have a lower time preference you can be rich in dollars uh and still have a very high time preference because you're scared of losing those dollars all the time and you have to reinvest them in in order not to lose a portion of them and maybe you wake up every day opening trading view or some other bullshit unfulfilling thing like that that is not actually providing any value to anyone you're just playing these fiat games shuffling wealth 
and yield around uh, a, a game board. And it has very little to do with the deeper insights of life and how to live a, a, a truly fulfilling life in which you, you are proud of being who you are. Uh, and I believe the, w the way to get there is to uh, drop your ego, <laughs> uh, ironically. I, I, I would add... Add to that is that you know there's nothing wrong with playing games like as long as you understand it. Like if you want to go to a casino and gamble, you know that's your choice. Like if if you want to do that for fun and you get something out of it, go right ahead. The problem is that most people have this idea, even from Bitcoiners, have this idea of looking at the fiat price, and the fiat price is actually quite uninteresting. I mean, it's only relevant in terms of like live, living today in the fiat standard or moving towards the Bitcoin standard. If you need to use Bitcoin, it, de it defines kind of like what you can get with it. Sure, you know, I can get on board with that. But the point is that most people get into Bitcoin because they think like, oh, okay, Bitcoin is going to go to 1 million, then I'm gonna, going to sell it for euros, I'm going to sell it for dollars. No, that's like you're missing the whole point. You know, that's that's not what bitcoin is it's the same thing as with the protocol level thinking like it's also not just a technical protocol it's also not a get rich quick scheme it's more like you know don't get poor quickly scheme or something like that well i i've certainly taken it to heart that it's everything that i want to keep into the future i think that's uh bitcoin is the the role for that i can't think of anything better now that i know of it and and i i think i want to also uh, just highlight here that this is this is i think the tone a good example of the tone of of the the topic here for uh for future listeners we we didn't have any of this specifically uh planned out this time and i hope we keep a, a bit of a uh flexible structure on this and uh, dig into rabbit holes and things like that, but we're we're not aiming for uh, we we're, we're sort of assuming in some cases I think that uh, that the terminology is familiar and that we're we're talking to uh, if you're if you're listening that that you you know a little bit about uh, Bitcoin already and are interested in the philosophical side of it. So uh, I hope that uh, you you join us for this. Uh, this journey because I'm already uh, really uh, liking what I'm I'm hearing so far. Yeah, I don't I don't really much like planning this like live speech or or anything. You know, it's just uh, wing it and and go by the flow. Um, however, I want to say that we do have a couple of uh, big announcements to make. Classic <laughs> announcement coming. So <laughs> towards the end of the show, so just to make you guys watch the whole thing, uh, we can <laughs> save the save those. To the later but it's, it's quite ex i'm quite excited to announce those things but i'm also super excited about this talk and really happy how it's turning out yeah um back to infinity day and all of this stuff this ties into everything we talked about also because a realization i i've had in the last couple of weeks even after i, lo uh, I wrote the the last book is that I could theoretically have done all of this without ever spending a sin single Satoshi <laughs> and without, without even hodling a single Satoshi. That is a, 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 like a pseudo truth because if I wasn't holding Bitcoin, I probably wouldn't have because I wouldn't be as passionate about it. But theoretically, uh, all the help I've got from, from, uh, 
people like like Nico and and you, Luke, like doing this thing now, and all the animators, the proofreaders, the editors, the the narrators, the uh, the artists. Everyone I've worked with so far have all been providing their services to me for free. And why is that with Bitcoiners? Why is everything? Why is everyone so so generous with their time and their energy? And I've come to the conclusion that there, there are a couple of factors at play here. And one is that they're uh, the time preference thing. Um, so they have a lower time preference. So they prioritize long-term stuff, stuff that might be doing good for a long time uh, in the future. And even more than that, all Bitcoiners want Bitcoin to succeed. And by extension, they want all other Bitcoiners to succeed in whatever they do too. So we're all incentivized to help each other. Uh, but the beauty is when you realize that everyone on the globe will be a Bitcoiner sooner or later. And this incentive to help one another does not go away. We, we all get wealthier by helping each other. Like we, 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 everyone benefits. So, so what Bitcoin is doing, uh, and now back to the, the, the realization that I could have done my entire Bitcoin journey without, without ever holding a single Bitcoin. Uh, I, I find that so endlessly fascinating because all Bitcoin did, uh, because I, I hodled most of the time. I ne almost never spent a, a, a single Satoshi on anything, really. Just for fun, for a coffee somewhere, or like tipping a cab driver. But mostly, I've just been hodling them, or if I have any, which is very unclear. I lost all, all in a tragic boating accident, as I, you probably know. Anyway, you're on boats a so, lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm on boats all the time, and I lose stuff. But the point is that all this is is a, a mathematical and philosophical experiment or mathematical and praxeological might be a better term, because mathematics is tied to objective reality. Praxeology is tied to subjective reality. And they're as hard as sciences. They're just tied to these two realms that we exist in. We exist in, we have a subjective existence and an objective existence, and we're somewhere in between those two. So what Bitcoin did was, by running this mathematical experiment in the back of our heads, we we unlocked something within all of us. And a Bitcoin private key is a key to your heart. And you can unlock something within yourself and wear your heart on your sleeve. Um, and it's back to the that trust in other Bitcoiners. Uh, as long as they've shown for a couple of years that they are trustworthy by not selling out to shitcoinery or anything else, but just keeping their integrity, toxic Bitcoiner integrity, uh, and keeping that those levels high, you, you know that you can trust these people. I mean, uh, and w when you do, there's no need for money anymore. You just help each other. So so this is my big, my big insight these last couple of months has been like, the, the real scaling solution is that the necessity for transactions to happen at all uh, using money is going down over time and not up. And the furthermore, like we're we're, we're entering uh, a future in which people will be much 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 more friendly to each other. 
because you never know how many bitcoins the other person holds. So you never know how valuable, insanely valuable they can become to you. So doing anything violent or coercive towards another human being can be extremely costly in the future. Um, right now, it's not very costly. Uh, governments do it all the time. They, they collect taxes and they inflate their currencies, thereby depriving everyone else of whatever they've got. But on a Bitcoin standard, that is simply not possible. So instead, you get to this place where everyone is incentivized to help one another at all times. And I realize more and more that that is, that is the flame I'm trying to catch here. And that's why I'm so in love and so passionate about this societal development because I, it's endlessly fascinating and yeah it's i i think we've only begun to to scratch the surface of, of this thing uh, and what it can do for us bitcoin's killer app is each and every one of, of us and uh, it changes us much more than we can change it and when you truly understand what that means that it actually changes us uh that's when you get this flippening of the mind that you were talking of, about, Nico. It's a very good way to put it, I think, it, because it truly is a flippening of mind. Uh, either it's me going absolutely insane and staring like this, uh, or it's me getting a, a deep, deep insight here. Uh, I, I think it's the latter. I hope it is. Knud, I, I thought you lost your boat in a Bitcoin accident. Yeah, that's what I did. I lost all of my boats in a tragic Bitcoin accident. That seems more likely. And you know, the, the point about, about all of us changing now, I think, what I hope to see and what I hope we can explore a little bit on here is the practical effects that we as Bitcoiners can do to influence the world. And I don't mean in terms of exploring specific routes of activism, although, although right now what we're doing currently with the, the, the whole hot or not thing is, is, uh, is good one way to do that. But my, my point, what, what I'm getting at here is exploring the intersection between the, the theoretical pieces, which take a long time to understand. So let's get into that so that more of us can, can explore these ideas. But I, I, the freedom footprint of it, to me, the implication of that or of increasing that is the practical effects that thinking this way can result in. And I think about the barriers that are put up all around us, whether that be from the state, whether that be from the current monetary system, the way of thinking that, that others have, the whole consume, consume, consume thing to, to get ahead of inflation, which is of course only gonna get worse in the current climate but all of those barriers i i feel just drop away in importance when i when i think about the the changing effects of this flipping of the the mind when you start to to see things differently think about things differently and so i i hope that that this intersection of what bitcoin is doing to us and what we as bitcoiners can do for the world is something that we can explore here. Yeah, I, I would like to, you know, take back to the costliness of costliness of screwing people over. What what basically Knut was talking about, 
I think that's a very key point here. Like in the free market, if you screw people over and people can take their money like this uh, elsewhere, and there, there's no intervention in the in the free market, I think that's going to be that's maybe something that is not clear to most people who have like there's almost no people who have lived under a hard money standard where it was actually costly to go to war. It was actually costly to make mistakes. And I think this is com coming back in a big way. It won't take away scammers. It won't take away uh, asshole people, but it, it will make it costly to be an asshole in, in Bitcoin standard. And I, I, I think this is going to be the key. But um, uh, I, I also think that most people will never really think this way or, or understand it. They will be like Knut said, Bitcoiners without knowing it, just like, you know, computers, smartphones, any new uh, technology, people will use it because everybody uses it. So it's, it's the norm. Like people don't even, they don't need to know if they're going to use diamond points or, you know, Bitcoin or, or Satoshis or whatever. It's just an underlying um, uh, protocol there. So in a way, I also think that fiat is not going to go away because there will be, always be gullible people. But at least we have the costliness of screwing people over and, and we have an alternative. So I think that's, that's really big. And uh, yeah, about the consumerism, which is a, which is a huge problem. Um, there's nothing wrong with spending. There's nothing wrong with investing. The problem is what we invest in, you know, nowadays. Pla cheap plastic crap with, uh, with a layaway, <laughs> you know, like a couple couple bucks a month uh, that, that is that you don't need uh, that isn't really investing though that's uh, uh, in in praxeology you you uh, you differentiate between consumer goods and and uh, capital goods yes uh, but it, but so it is investing like for example if you buy fiat food you are investing in your health it's just a very poor way to do it yeah and every Every purchase is an investment in that sense, right. and yes. uh, every price is just historical data telling you how, uh, trying to tell you how to bet on the future, if you will. Yes. Uh, what what so, Bitcoin did for me is that I I used to be one of those people who would get high on the you know the when you rip off the the plastic wrap of a new electronics and uh, you sniff it and then you you get this high for like a very short period of time. Uh, after discovering Bitcoin and understanding what hard money makes possible, now I start to put uh, the value over time on the things that I buy. So, you know, how much value is that going to generate to me? Like, is this good? Basically, what I'm thinking is, is, is this thing that I'm about to buy or invest in uh, going to help me in the future? Maybe bring me more Bitcoin, bring me more of this kind of like uh, reputational informational capital that i can maybe later than uh, cash, cash in and invest in something else to make make things better for myself and for my family so that's that's like part of the flipping of the mind like from the fiat mindset to escape the change of fiat it's it's a it's a tall order i'm i'm not gonna lie it, it was a long process for myself and you know we we shouldn't treat people who are still in the matrix as enemies necessarily not everybody ever wants to leave the matrix and that's that's fine but basically what i'm trying to do is wake up the sleeping lions instead of the herd of the lambs you know the, i think the process even if you become a you you call yourself a bitcoiner and maybe that maybe that's not a topic for right now but maybe we will eventually get into that but what is a bitcoiner but 
well, I I would consider myself a Bitcoiner, and and uh, I, I think even in the process of that, it that doesn't mean you instantly start having perfectly low time preference. It doesn't mean that you don't still want things or you don't still do things that aren't optimal. But I don't think life is a game of min-maxing everything, getting the absolute best out of it. I think we would be robots if that were the case. We wouldn't be people. But the the my my point is is I still struggle with things that I know I know aren't important or aren't going to give me much value. But I'm thinking about it more and I'm trying to make better choices and uh, decisions and i think the the clarity that bitcoin maybe provides there is what i think is helping to motivate me to to start to build better habits and to do things that are better for my future so it's not just even a monetary thing it's a time thing as well which i think i think is is also important too which are supposed to be the two sides of the same coin money is supposed to represent the scarcity of human time and nothing else really and bitcoin is the first thing that absolute uh, that, that represents the scarcity of human time perfectly because the there are only two things in this universe that are absolutely scarce and absolutely finite and that's your time on this earth and bitcoin so it's the perfect representation of exactly that and the only reason why why things don't work is because money was always an imperfect version of imperfect representation of time. Now that it's a perfect representation of it, we unlock everything. So that's that's what it's doing. And it, it's hard to see at first, but once it clicks, it, it's profound in every sense of the word. You have the perfect representation of the scarcity of your time. And as you say, you don't have to be a robot and try to do like the perfect action at every moment that's not the point the point is to take back the driver's seat of your life so that you can kill your time instead of someone else wasting it you're a hunter on the prowl for time to kill and you're the one that's supposed to put it down to whatever use you like nothing is something worth doing as nico <laughs> says from time to time um uh, if doing nothing is what you crave at the moment then why not uh as long as you're in charge uh it's probably for the best who 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 would be the better decision maker for what to do with your life than yourself yeah and i think i think the the other part of that is that it allows for human individuality in a way that has is not uh, encouraged in the current narrative i i'm trying to find the right word for what i'm actually trying to say here but it it's more it's more like you you're all supposed to everyone is supposed to follow the current thing and 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 just fall in with the crowd and and all this and and the room for for thinking i i also don't want to imply that that you you can't think for yourself and then reach conclusions that are the popular ones i think that's that's also got to be well within the the realm here, but the enabling of the the individual to take control of themselves and of their own life, I think, is is a nuance that is is worthwhile. Absolutely. I think a, another um, another point here 
I maybe don't want to uh, break us into a completely different topic exactly. But uh, when you say there's only there's only two things scarce in the world that it's time in Bitcoin, I also wonder if if there should be some some uh, notice of of energy there that that energy itself is not is not scarce. You can't create it out of out of nothing. Do you have? Energy is not scarce at all. It's everywhere. And we're bombarded with it from the sun every day. So energy is a tricky term. And I've used the, 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 the metaphor, you know, monetary energy or subjective energy for describing Bitcoins, uh, Bitcoin several times. I know that physicists, uh, or, or like physics autists, uh, they hate that term monetary energy because it's not really energy and the second law of thermodynamics and everything. And uh, I, of course, I understand that. But I would say that the, the time metaphor is sufficient because in being the, the, the two only, the only two absolutely scarce things, it's, it's connected to time in many different ways. And first and foremost, it's because uh, Bitcoin creates its own version of time. Uh, so the block height is the current time in the Bitcoin blockchain, as you know. So it creates its own reality. We define truth, uh, truth in Bitcoin as what actually happened in Bitcoin. So it's the first thing that, that comes from the collective imagination of human beings and then actually manifests itself in reality. So it's not the other way around. Every other uh, collective, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, intersubjective thing that we've rallied around. Uh, yeah, he's right. Alberto Troya Diaz is right. Energy is not de destructed, created. It is transformed. You cannot destroy energy. Uh, it, it's, simply, it's simply transformed into a different state. Um, but my point being that this is the first time that an intersubjective fantasy that we've, we're using to, to organize ourselves in uh, groups larger than Dunbar's number, you know, around 150 individuals, no other primate, primate tribe ever exceeds that, that number because they haven't yet figured out a way to organize themselves in larger groups. We have, though, because we invented things like religions, and nation states and all sorts of fantasies that made it easier for for uh, like leaders of our packs to organize us into larger groups. But now we have something that does not require a leader. We have an intersubjective agreement about a fixed set of rules, just like the rules of chess. If you play chess by the the uh, consensus rules of chess, you can play with almost other, every other chess player in the world. Or you can play with a, every other chess player in the world, but you, if if you alter the rules and if you remove the uh, remove the rooks or whatever, then you have fewer players to play with. So and that's that's how Bitcoin works too. It's just a, a an agreement on a fixed set of rules that do not change, and that in itself is creating this version of truth that we take for granted to be true. Because what happened in Bitcoin defines what's true in that realm, which it also ties into why you can't have bananas on a blockchain or why NFTs don't work. Because you cannot connect this this specific um, 
type of truth to anything in the out, in the outside world outside of that of the bitcoin blockchain doesn't work because all the the immutability of it and all the tr- truthfulness of everything that happened in the bitcoin blockchain are reliant on that and that only as soon as you connect it to something else it falls that that model falls apart ah oh, this was a lot a lot of words to explain why why there are only two scarce things in the universe but i i think it's very connected to to time bitcoin in this sense that it's it's scarce in the same sense that a human life is the time of a human life is is scarce uh be, because it ties to the same physical reality as the scarcity of uh human lifetimes um I, I'm uh, struggling to find the words here, but I think you, I think but, you see where I'm getting at. Yeah, and it's, maybe, it's all maybe, about framing. Yeah, and it, maybe if I can, if I can, still try to, I, I didn't get my my idea across very well earlier. I think, I think what when I say that energy is also part of this, my thinking is that you also have a constraint of physical reality in the sense that. You can't make more of it out of nothing. You can't harness it if you haven't set up what needs to be harnessed. And so the analogy to Bitcoin is twofold there. You have one, the Bitcoin, you can't create any more of it than the 21 million. And you can't harness it without putting in the the proof of work. And similarly with the energy, you have to also harness the energy in order to do that. And I think uh, uh, not to not to get unnecessarily political, but but the current struggles with with uh, certain countries, many countries having uh, having energy issues right now. I think the the point there is that the the energy cannot be created out of nothing just because you want it to be. No, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot lot to unpack there. There's uh, three things that, at least that I want to touch. Uh, first of all. Uh, Time is subjectively more scarce than Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is objectively scarce, which means that an individual should or probably prefers to trade their Bitcoin for more time on, on this earth. And uh, time preference of any human being is inherently high, so we would always rather have something now than later. However, uh, mar- marginal utility is, is, is something that we, we jumble in our head all the time and the hierarchy changes. Like, for example, if you're, if you're parched in a, in a desert, then the marginal utility of a cup of water increases massively. So then you would, you would be able to, you, you would be willing to pay vast sums of the, of the cup of water that normally you're not willing to pay almost anything for. So um, it's, it's not really like we always want something now than later. But also the ability, like uh, uh, a distinct human trait, is the ability to also force, uh, try to plan for the future. And, and I think this is what Bitcoin enables. It enables you to step away from the uh, constant high te- time preference choices and, and then uh, make a longer term um, investments of your time and also you know, your sets. Yeah, uh, to, to add a couple of points to that, real quick here, Nico. Uh, I mean, all of these things are are 
praxeological insights, the marginal utility and everything that's like basic economics, true economics. And uh, I would like to add that that glass of water in, in the desert, uh, the reason that, that it has such a high marginal utility and that you crave it so much is because not having it will decrease your, your time <laughs> and you will die of exactly. thirst in the desert. Yes. So it's all tied to time. And that's, that's like key to understanding it. But you're absolutely right. The, the scarcity of human time is more valuable to us than the scarcity of, of Bitcoin could ever dream of being. That's all we've got. With the, the seconds we have on this earth, that's all we know that we've got. So we better make the most out of them when, while they're here. Life is not a rehearsal. It's the real fucking clown show. So we should take that to heart and enjoy while it lasts, because there's so much fun stuff to laugh about, like face diapers and, <laughs> uh, yeah, paper straws saving the planet. There's so much fun going on. Yeah, I mean, you got to enjoy life. Like, you know, we, we only have today. There's no future doesn't exist. Yesterday doesn't exist, except in, in, in some journals and history books. So we only have today, so so it's a it's a delicate balance for sure. But what hard money does, it's it's a tool that helps us discount today to have a better tomorrow. So you know, there's also that to consider. And about you know hodling Bitcoin, uh, I, I see a lot of people and Bitcoiners to say like, yeah, I'm just gonna hodl on my, I'm gonna hodl my stack and wait for everybody else to build the moon, and then we're, we're just gonna um, somehow we're all gonna make it. Uh, this is incorrect, in my opinion. I, I don't think hodling is is especially um, important. It's it's uh, to some some degree. Uh, it's the basis of actually using or wielding uh, the Bitcoin or the power of the Bitcoin, rather that it gives you uh, an individual. But hodling as itself, if you're not going to use your influence or you're not going to use your resources to actively act as a human being to bring about a better world tomorrow, then you're missing the point kind of here. And more, moreover to that, going back to uh, informational, reputational capital, you know, like even like you said earlier, Knut, that you could have done your career um, without spending a single Satoshi. Yes, uh, I agree. Like you can be a Bitcoiner without holding a single Satoshi. And I'm sure none of us hold any uh, either way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if you can be useful to people, like if you have this informational capital and you can solve people's problems, you will never go hungry. Like that's the ultimate capital. Um, so you can always make more Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's about, you know, the quality of life and the qu quality of uh, maybe even soul, like if, if you can say that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to also uh, jump back to the energy part because, you know, I, I actually love the concept of, of monetary potential energy, which I know that uh, a lot of physicists uh, uh, don't like that. And I understand why, the, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But it's a, it's a nice anal analogy. Like if you, if you think about hydro pumps, for example, and a res energy reservoir, like in a, in a hydro plant, you know, like you use electricity to pump water uh, into a into a reservoir that you can then later run into the turbines when you actually need the energy. Well, in similar way, according to the laws of uh, thermodynamics or and 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 bro science of Bitcoin, 
uh, you can convert that <laughs> electricity just as well into monetary potential energy and heat, which yeah. both you can you can use. And that, and that's like the energy transmission in this way, the like pseudo energy transmission in the form of satoshis, like it's instant across the globe, like wherever you have wasted energy, you can block in a Bitcoin miner, convert it into sats and transfer it to the other, other sides of the world and use those sats to buy energy. Like that's, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Like every environmentalist yeah. should be all over this. The, the, these theories have been on countless pods before though, Nico. So maybe we, we should stop there because there, there are so many resources about this. And if you haven't heard any of it before, look into what Michael Saylor is saying about it, what Troy Cross is saying about it. Um, there are so many, uh, so many good resources of why Bitcoin is the solution to, to the energy problem and not the problem in itself. Uh, back to hodling. Uh, as you say, I think this might be where we differ slightly because in the definition of the word hodling, because hodling Bitcoin and using Bitcoin, like uh, it might just be in the definition of hodling because I think there's a distinction between hodling and saving in that sense. You can save in anything else than Bitcoin, but you can only hodl Bitcoin. <laughs> like there's uh, and only uh, saving for the future is a deliberate action that only deliberate, like self-aware actors can take because they, they deliberately delay their gratification. Uh, hodling can be that, but it can also be done by inanimate objects and dead people. So, so a, a dead person can hodl Bitcoin. The, the example I use in the book is Hal Finney, who cryo-froze his head after he died. Imagine that he uh, re, uh, memorized a Bitcoin private key before he did that. Seed phrases hadn't been invented yet at that point. So he, he uh, yeah, so, so he had to memorize 30 characters. Uh, and imagine we find a way of resurrecting that head in 400 years from now, and the private key is restored. Was that hodling? Was that saving? <laughs> there's there's a difference here. And also, as you say, uh, when you hodl Bitcoin, and we, we've been on to this before, that it ties into I could have done my entire Bitcoin career without spending a single Satoshi. Hodling Bitcoin gives us this superpower uh, to help each other and uh, the incentive to help each other. So hodling Bitcoin is... It's not only an action in itself, or it, it's a it that is the the enabler that is the amplifier that makes us make it makes us take this leap of reason, if you so will, uh, or helps us flip in our minds in order to become better people. So, so I think the 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 act of holding is so much more than just saving Bitcoin for the future. Uh, Hodling is will will change you, and it will change your psyche. It will change your mind, and you will start by hodling Bitcoin and really understanding what that implies. You will start helping other Bitcoiners, and you will start helping Bitcoin succeed because you're you're by hodling Bitcoin, you are now incentivized to help Bitcoin in any any way you can, at all at all times, and you realize further down the line that everyone else is too. Uh, 
and you're incentivized to help all of them too and it's it's just so beautiful yeah yeah i, I, I don't i don't know if that added anything but yeah just to I, tie I this back together hodling bitcoin is like a gateway into becoming a freedom maximalist um as, yeah. as if, if you leave it at that, if you don't step through the gateway and you don't start actively doing what you just said, you know, helping others and being useful, then you're just hodling. You're just uh, one of those like pharaohs that we dig, you know, 4,000 years ago, they're still hodling their gold. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not super impressive. No, but but I, I, I think it's harder to, it's easier to do that with gold or with a... a precious sword or whatever or a crown or whatever you choose to be mummified with than to hodl bitcoin because hodling bitcoin um does something to your head <laughs> uh, in in ways that gold really couldn't uh not in the same way uh, at least and uh, just look at all of us and look at all the other Bitcoin philosophers out there. I mean, there are so many great ones, uh, like Gigi or Giacomo or John Vallis or any one of these people that are out there thinking about Bitcoin. And uh, uh, they operate under incentives too. And they have this, this thing running in the back of their heads, this mathematical experiment. And that is what is helping them become people that are uh you know made for helping other people i'm still struggling to find the words here maybe it's the wine i don't know uh but uh, yeah I've, I've i've got a thought here because all this talk about a couple of things that i think relate to um well people who who die like this the scarcity of time we all have the the scarcity of time within our our own lives but I think what Bitcoin does, it adds another thing which can live on after death if properly transferred. And this is the big if, and I know you've talked about this, Knut. But if, mm -hmm. if properly transferred, well, there you go. You've just transmitted your value into the future beyond yourself. And maybe you don't have any control over that anymore. But I think none of the things that survive after death you have control over. The only thing I can think of that also survives after death is your reputation, which is the other thing we're talking about here, is the the bonds that are beyond this monetary, the, the reputation of of building, uh, building something bigger than ourselves and that uh, all the actions done within this public sphere but they carry your, on. But your reputation is temporary compared to your Bitcoins. <laughs> Right. Even if, even if it survives for ten generations, it's a transitory thing. Well, uh, and I think that's. I think this is. I'm going to go a little nerdy here, and I'm going to to point out some ancient wisdom here, uh, with with a quote. So the the quote goes: "Cattle die, kinsmen die. All men are mortal, but one thing never dies: the glory of the great dead." And for those who have no idea what I'm talking about right now, this comes from the uh, the Habamal or the words of Odin. And I'm pointing this out mm. because... I said no Vikings, Luke. Well, you, <laughs> you can't give me that kind of rule of commute. I'm sorry. 
Um, the the reason I say that is that it's it's a piece of ancient wisdom, for lack of a better term, the that has has shown this concept, this reputation type thing. It's the only thing that survives after us. Well, I think we have the new thing now, and we have to come up with our own modern wisdom to reflect this change. That's my point. Sorry for the Viking. It's a very good. It's a very good point. And I'm only joking with the Viking stuff. You can bring up whatever Viking stuff you want if it, if it's fitting. Um, I, yeah, I had a point to that. Uh, yeah, if you die with your bitcoins and you announce how many bitcoins you announce to die with, then that's what you leave behind. You leave behind a reputation of a guy that altruistically sacrificed this and that X amount of Bitcoins to every other person out there. And that's another thing with the upcoming sat squeeze that I think everyone is underestimating the the upcoming sat squeeze. 19 of the 21 million Bitcoins, 19 million have already been mined and they will get lost over time. We're the first generation of Bitcoiners. Most of us will die with our Bitcoins. Our bitcoins will die with us. Not very many of us will have thought of a, a, a you know bulletproof inheritance plan for the forthcoming generations. So, like twenty years from now, most of the bitcoins will all already be gone forever. So, I think everyone is underestimating that. And another point about like dying with your bitcoins and taking them with you, uh, theoretically, that increases the value of everyone else's bitcoin. But there's another aspect to this, because when you die, you remove a market actor. And uh, a market is only as valuable as the the square of the number of participants in it, according to Metcalfe's law. So there's a balance there somewhere where are, are you worth more than your Bitcoins? Well, now there the market actually has a way of figuring out what your actual worth is. Forget about this. Everyone has equal value. Now you can actually measure your value, and not in in like absolute terms of how many bitcoins you have, but if the purchasing power of bitcoin goes up or down when you die, that's a testament to if you were worth it or not to the market. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a nerdy thought. Just a just to sidetrack you. Well, maybe maybe we should do a, a, a show on the sat squeeze because uh, I've done some back of the napkin math, and some of the some of the uh, uh, conclusions are just mind boggling. If if we if we go all the way to there's only a million Bitcoin left, the the number of sats that are in real circulation has to be much lower. And I don't I don't want to dive into to that right now. I, I think we should uh, tag this as a topic for for future. But the we could, the, the number we of could sats that are. Talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the number of sats that uh, that are going to be an average salary, like I, it's crazy low if if it really does hyper Bitcoin. So, yeah, yeah, and bad. and uh, you can imagine businesses uh, that their entire business plan is not to have black numbers on their balance sheets, but red ones, uh, and the the only purpose of the business is is to lose the sats at a slower pace than you would have if you wouldn't have started the business. Because they are finite, everyone's stack will go down. <laughs> very, very few stacks have the the possibility, mathematical possibility of growing over time. So a bit a Bitcoin business could increase its purchasing power 
while still having a net loss in the absolute value of Satoshi's it, that business owns. And that's just so hard to wrap your head around. So that's why I think we might need another unit of account than Bitcoin, because a perfectly scarce thing might not make a very good unit of account for for any useful purposes uh yes yeah. it's going it, on the top it, of pile yeah it's all it's all uh, tied to how everyone underestimates how profound this discovery of absolute scarcity really is the problem with i the, the, and just a short thing the problem i have with the sad squeeze theory is that i i feel like you guys and a lot of Bitcoiners are underestimating the the persistence of fiat, right? I mean, already we are we are in a situation where where exchanges are peddling IOU bitcoins, so that's a way to suppress the bitcoins, um, you know, purchasing power. And do you really think that most people in the world will care if they carry or use IOU bitcoin or Sats? Or are, are they going to go that like this no, theory but... kind of, in my opinion, it, it lies on the assumption that everybody's going to take self-custody in which way it would work. I just don't see that. No, but it's not about the majority of the people. It's about the majority of the money. Uh, the, the, ma the majority of the purchasing power. So the majority of the people does not matter here as much as you might think. Like, uh, th that's and and that's a a subtle but but uh, impactful distinction. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I agree because because I mean you can you can just print endlessly IOU Bitcoin, right? Yes, and of it, course. It doesn't matter how many people you have and how, yes, how many people are using money. Yeah, and you could also pay people in that fake Bitcoin, and uh, uh, but that would make you a scammer. And uh, I guess if you're a true Bitcoiner, you won't scam other people. Because because oh, of how Bitcoin changes you more than you can change it, and so on. Of course, there will still be bad actors out there, and of course, it will take a lot of time before the world truly hyper Bitcoinizes. Uh, but hyper Bitcoinization is first and foremost. It, there are so many ways to think about it, but I think the the like with everything else, if you start from the individual, that's that's the best starting point you can have. Uh, Hyper-Bitcoinization is first and foremost a personal thing. And it's not when you start using Bitcoin for purchases. It's when you when you stop accepting anything but Bitcoin for payments for your goods and services. So on that account, I will happily admit that I'm not hyper-Bitcoinized yet. And I don't think either of you are either. And I think very few people are hyper-Bitcoinized at this point in time. Um, I think that will take generations probably before before we're on we're on it we can truly say that we live in a hyper bitcoinized world. Uh the transition is hard. Uh it's hard to function in reality at this point by accepting nothing but bitcoin for your goods and services. It's it's very hard to do that. And governments will give you shit for it for sure. So uh, we're we're just the in-betweeners here trying to trying to live through the transition uh but we're doing it for the kids and the grandkids that's that's why we're here right at least that's why i'm here 
That yeah, sounds, I mean, sounded a bit arrogant, but <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's absolutely right. That's that, yeah. that is like everything is a selfish act. There's no such thing as uh, you know, truly altruistic act. Everything is in service of yourself. And uh, yeah, I, I also think that Bitcoin enables us to build multi-generational empires. You now that, but that's kind of besides the point. Like I, I, I just, I still think majority of the people are not going to be hodlers of last resort. They're not going to understand Bitcoin ever because they're not going to be interested in money. Like most people are not. So I, I'm just like, it's just something that I, I, I've been thinking, like we might never see hyper Bitcoinization. In, in I don't think we ever will. Uh, I think that is something for like five generations ahead. And maybe uh, even not then. Maybe, maybe even maybe not never. Then. Like Maybe like, never. I, I think what we're looking at is the first fork of humanity. <laughs> you know, to in, in into those who actually uh, wield Bitcoin and those who don't. So I think majority of people are going to remain in the in the lesser fork in that sense. I, and 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 that, like what you said, it was great. Like it's not about the amount of people; it's about the amount of money. And like Michael Saylor says, that Bitcoin is the kingmaker. I think that's that's going to definitely play out. That we're going to have mm -hmm. these big actors that are going to be kings, Bitcoin kings. And yeah, you have can, you can knight your children. You can dub yeah, them into knights. It you can do whatever you want. The point is that the arms race and Bitcoin is a, is a defensive weapon. It it will put such a big gap between the let's say twenty percenters and the eighty percenters that there is no way the eighty percenters will be ever able to attack the twenty percenters. So. I I slightly disagree here, and I think it might have to do with that. I disagree with the wording. Uh, of, of many of these, while I agree to some of the ideas, or most of them even, I think the wording is unfortunate because you, you say there's no such thing as a non-selfish act. And I would say that no act stems from anywhere else than from the self. And by putting it that way, uh, it takes away the, the negative connotation of uh, it being selfish. Uh, it, it may have an altruistic motive, even though that also stems from the self, but calling it selfish co sort of puts it in a bad light. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, having said that, I I think this there's also uh, another thing that can be more optimistic about this making kings of the making the kings of the future by giving your bitcoins to your descendants, and that is that even the people that. The, you said 80% that will never adopt Bitcoin, not even five generations from now. Those are the people that will benefit the most from this anyway. Because what's more important to a really, really poor person is not the poor person's income. The, the most important thing to a poor person is that stuff is cheap. And if we have a, a functioning hyper-Bitcoinized economy running somewhere in, uh, in the world, in some you know, layer of society, that helps everyone, including those that don't own a single Satoshi. Things will get cheaper for them too. And this is this is hard to wrap one's head around, but that's the truth. When you have a, a, a machine that is as well-oiled as a global sound money economy will be, uh, then prices will go down enormously. For the the, the 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 manufacturing and the transportation of every good you can think of would go down drastically. 
that is already happening now in this dog on three legs economy of fiat economy that we're living in now, where states uh, intervene in every fucking market you can think of. Still, we get the benefits of, of the global free market. We get to buy cheap TV screens. We get to buy cheap electronics. We get to buy stupid Christmas presents for almost free. I mean, all of this is happening despite government inter intervention everywhere. Not because of it, despite it. Because the market is such a powerful force. And imagine what a market that doesn't have any of these hurdles set up all along the way could do to humanity. You know, you've set up a company in a, in a foreign country uh, you know, you know the process. You know how how uh, how much bureaucracy there is standing in the way. How how you needed to set it up in an, in in another country just to avoid some of the bureaucracy. But the bureaucracy is still there, and it's stealing your time all the time. All the accounting, all the taxes, everything. It's hampering our. You know, if we were just free to to live our lives as we, as we wanted to and make uh, however much money we felt was the right amount for us, everything would be better. And that's what happens in a sound money economy. Yeah, uh, everything so, so it, it gets better for those that don't have jack shit too. That's what I'm saying. That all the beggars and the the bums and the trailer park people of the world, they will they will be better off if anyone from yes. from having this free market running in the background of society. I, I agree with that sentiment. What what I maybe don't agree with is that. Um, I think this, what you said, is going to absolutely happen, but in the minority fork of humanity. The majority fork of humanity, you know, imagine imagine a future with the central bank digital currencies, you know, mm -hmm. social credit system, censorship of all information. How would they ever touch the free market? Because they are all diluted by, uh, diluted by, by these, uh, these lies of their politicians. I just don't see... Like yeah. some people are going to break through the matrix, but I still think majority of the people will remain in the majority fork just because it's the majority. And this is like, this goes very deep into the, the tribalism of, you know, human evolution. Like you want to be a part of the gang. And as long as the story is good, you're not going to be interested in looking into like, oh, are there some options that I could go to? Because the media is going to feed you bullshit about, well, like, oh, this is this is a dangerous place and you don't want to really go there and you have everything you need here. And I do believe that they will be able to maintain, um, you know, good and bad, this kind of like stability, whatever you call that, that is comfortable enough for you to stay in the prison of your mind and never break free. And I just can't see, see how Bitcoin is going to fix that. Okay. Uh before we wrap this subject up, I, I'd like to uh, just add a thought to, to that. And like right now, we're debating something here, and it's a more optimistic and a more pessimistic view of humanity and its future. And you play the pessimistic Finn, I play the optimistic Swede here. Uh, and what I'm trying to get at, I think, is uh, in the same way that... Uh, you know, you and I talked a lot about how, how our thoughts shape our reality to a large extent and so on. So how is this negativity helping your reality come to fruition? Like, uh, I, I see if, if, if we want to 
if we want to get humanity to choose between this CBDC dystopia and the hyper-Bitcoinized utopia, we see, us three, we see the very, a very clear fork in the road here with two paths to choose from. We could either go to the CBDC uh, China-esque dystopian future, or we could go full Bitcoin and live in the, like the best place that ever existed. So how is negativity helping people choose the right path there? Uh, I'm uh, just just playing the devil's advocate here, uh, Nico. You you know I am. I I I, no, I do no, that I, in, in, in instinctively. Yeah. yeah, of course. Same same here. And that that's a valid valid question. The the, the way I rationalize, I I don't like. I am pessimistic. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, I I I just it helps me to cope with the with the reality that I think that is going to happen. So I'm, if I can be good with the fact that humanity is going to fork and I'm going to be in the minority fork that is going to do well, um, I'm okay with that. I'll do everything I can to help anybody migrate to that side of the fork, which I feel, I feel that is better, which is what I'm, what I'm doing. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to educate people and, and, you know, bring this knowledge available to as many people as possible. However, I, I can't force people to unblock from the matrix. I've tried, like Lord knows that I tried. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't see, like, you know, in the best case scenario, maybe it does happen. That would be a, a fun surprise. Um, maybe it's just uh, myself protecting me, you know, from the disappointment, the constant disappointment that the, the fiat humanity produces. Now that sounds very Finnish. The, uh, the, the, we'll, we'll have to revisit this. Definitely we'll have to revisit this as its, as its own topic, I think, because I, I have a different take from either of you. And I, I think, I think if we're going to open that can of worms up, we're, we're going to be here for another two hours, but, uh, yeah, I think it, it's, I think it's time to wrap this up soon because like we, we were thinking of having one hour shows and we're already doing one and a half hours. So, so. Maybe we should do the announcements and the shillings and whatever. And or were you thinking of some some other topic, Luke? I, I don't know. No, 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 no. And not not that the the shillings aren't important either. But there are some actual exciting things. The 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 last maybe slightly jokey comment I wanted to make was that if Nico's the pessimistic Finn, and and Knut, you're the optimistic Swede. I don't really know where I fit on that because I'm I'm not. I'm not either of those things. I'm certainly not a Swede, and I'm supposedly the pseudo Finn, and I don't really <laughs> care for anything else uh, from from my background. So we'll see where I land. Maybe I'm the middle. Hopefully, perfect. <laughs> hey, so yeah, I think let's uh, let's uh, Nico. I think you've got uh, a few things to to share. That uh, I hope everyone who's who's joining us and is still around. And yeah, yeah. Thanks for everyone who's who's joined us live. Yeah, some announcements exactly. So let's uh, let's move to that. I think are you all set for that, Nico? Yeah, I'm good. Just uh, give me a second here. Yeah. Well, so I think I think first up, I maybe I'll I'll just uh, mention one more time about the defendingbtc.com. The uh, uh, we are all hard will not campaign. I mentioned kind of in the the middle there. I'm I'm not necessarily uh, looking for out of the show this. Uh, uh, specific routes of activism or anything like that, but right now I think this is this is really relevant. So let's uh, let's uh, yeah check out defendingbtc.com if you want to support Hodlanot's cause. 
Absolutely do that. I'm auctioning out a copy of uh, Infinity, or, or not Infinity, everything divided by 21 million. This is uh, the, Luke, can you, can you share the um, my screen? This is, this is the uh, the book I'm I'm uh, auctioning out for Hodlonaut. There it is. Uh, so uh, that's my little contribution. Um, the auction starts in four days and one hour and 53 minutes and three seconds. So uh, I hope... I hope you do something to to help hold or not, and uh, why not use this auction site to to get your hands on a piece of Bitcoin art? I know I'm definitely not the only artist on here. Uh, if you could bring out Fractal's thing too, I mean, there's a whole section of Scarce.City City dedicated to to hold or not and his case, uh, where all the profits will go to uh, to to this legal battle. Uh, mine is just a small part of of uh, <laughs> other real works of art that people are auctioning out. Uh, one of them is the Infinity Key. Uh, I don't know if you can find that there, Luke uh, or Nico, um, somewhere. I think you should probably look for Fractal's tweet because I don't think it's live yet on the uh, on the Scarce.City webpage. But uh, it's we'll looking in the show notes. Yeah. It yeah, we'll, like, we'll find. We'll find. That's something. the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely check out Scarce City. This uh, it's a great service, and uh, we all need to support Hotline yeah. Out. We are all Hotline Out. So I just hope they, they can stop. Uh, they can drop the NFTs any day now. <laughs> oh, they have NFTs. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Anyway, it's a good site for buying Bitcoin art, and they they are utilizing the Lightning Network, and that's the most important thing. I'd like to show you something before we go on with the announcements. Uh, All right. That that I showed Nico and Luke before. Um, do you know what this is? <laughs> well, Nico and Luke know, but at this point, this is the first draft of of sovereignty through mathematics. It's, it, it was uh, there were some pictures in it. Uh, <laughs> this this was a proofreading copy hadn't been edited and this is what the final product looked like <laughs> and the, one of the announcements we're making uh, maybe you should do this Nico but we're re-releasing -re -re these two books uh, my my first and my second book here uh, Sovereignty Through Mathematics and Independence Reimagined and this is what they look like in the future uh, they have been re-edited and re-proofread and uh, redesigned uh, first and foremost into these nice looking things here uh, and you will be able to buy them on the consensus network website uh, and where you can pay in uh, bitcoin and get 10 percent off you can use one of our referral codes and get another 10 percent off you can use the referral code knut swanholm for instance uh, i I know I'm biased, but I really like that referral code. <laughs> and and most of all, you until 28th, you can use the code INFINITY to get 21% of everything. And if you pay with Bitcoin, that's an extra 10%. So if, if you're thinking about getting any of these books, then now, now is probably the time. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a bit, bit more of a conceptual continuity going there uh, with the books. Shall we get into the big one? The... Sure. All right. So 
here we are. <clears throat> Hope you can see that. So we are announcing a collaboration with, with MASH. It's GetMASH at, uh, at Twitter. You should definitely check them out, follow them. Really exciting platform. It's basically an um, app that works in a browser, so you can use it on mobile or anything. And by the looks of it, how well it works for this our, uh, beta release of uh, Knut's new book, uh, we're going to do all of our books in this format with, with MASH. So basically, if I, if I can show you here, like you, you have a Lightning Wallet, which is, of course, custodian. Uh, but I think it works great with uh, onboarding new Bitcoiners or no-coiners, because um, I, I think in, uh, in, in the near future, they're going to enable credit card payments, which means that you can actually buy sats with credit cards and then uh, add to your wallet. And from your wallet, you can just withdraw like any, any uh, custodian Lightning wallet. So you can see my, my balance here. Um, you can set up a budget for a day, so you don't go over, over whatever you're willing to spend. Um, our books are gonna be mostly a couple chapters for free and then a small, small Lightning payment to unlock the rest of the book. So I'm just gonna um, show you what happens here, read now. You get the forward. And what's interesting about this, is there's also a boost button. So this is like value for value. Like if you like the stuff, then you can just boost right here. Bam. Five cents went, went, went to boosting this specific page. Um, so that's to show your appreciation of, of, of anything that we, we publish. You can keep reading. And, and like I said, you can read this on a mobile. So I, I fully think this is going to kind of kill the EPUBs you know, like the traditional eBooks, uh, apart from maybe e-ink devices like Amazon Kindle and stuff like that. But you, you can use this in, in any, any browser or mobile or your, or your desktop. And uh, let's just uh, go a little bit ahead. That's the first chapter. You can keep reading, click next. And once you reach your two um, chapters for free, then you're going to unlock. The reason that it unlocked automatically is because I set a budget for myself. So it automatically unlocks, like you don't, you'll have no interruptions there. You can just set a budget, how much you're willing to spend and keep reading. So this is a very exciting way to serve knowledge and books. And I'm, I'm super excited with the collaboration with MASH. And uh, yeah, I think we're gonna do all of our books. See, bam, just works like that. And also remember, you can every time you can top up. Like I, I just tested it today. I have a Zeus wallet which is connected via Tor to my personal node with a hidden channel, so I can top up using that. And then later, if I want to want to withdraw, same thing, no no problem at all. If you use Blue Wallet or any other kind of uh, Bitcoin uh, Lightning wallet, it works pretty much the same. It's just like this this uh, uh, a small uh, button here in the corner. That you can you can access all the all the features of your wallet. Uh, Nico, can you put the the link in the uh, in the chat on YouTube? Oh yes, yes. Uh, this is, this is and uh, Luke, can you put it in the show notes as well? Of course. Uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of things like this. We're collaborating with the um, uh, Fountain app as well. Um, so there's a a, a plan of integrating that as well into the site and being able to you know stream all the books via the fountain app for a, a small fee um uh 
fill fill me in here if I'm saying something wrong here, Nico. Well, how, how that most, works. most likely we're going to use Mash for that as well because Mash okay. also offers uh, a way to wrap audio or video into this. So it's all right. Great. So um, yeah, Fountain App is great as well. Um, nothing nothing bad to say about them. I I, I just think that since we're we're with uh, with Mash, I think we're going to do your uh, book first in the audio version and see see how it goes and by the way uh this is like i said it's beta things may not work out so far it's been working great when i tried it but we would appreciate if if you guys could give us some feedback you can email us at uh, info at consensus.network or you can just pm me uh if you have any any uh suggestions or bug reports or anything like that so i'm really excited about this i, I really think this is the future of consuming books, uh, value for value, using sats. And you, you don't even have to think of it like using Bitcoin. Like I said, you could use credit cards. So you could actually use, like, let's say that you want to stack anyway, you want to buy some Satoshis anyway. So just buy uh, $5 extra, and then you, you, you use that. So you basically transmit euros or dollars over the Bitcoin Lightning Network, which is, it's just fantastic. And, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you the Lightning Network doesn't work or it doesn't, doesn't, uh, it's not used by anybody. We've been using Lightning Network for three years and there's no going back. After we went to our BTC Pay server, shout out to them. Great, great service as well. Um, we have a self-hosted BTC Pay server running and it's no maintenance whatsoever. Everything just works like bam, bam. So, yeah, definitely look into Lightning Network. Definitely check out uh, this first book that we released at 21million.consensus.network. I put the link in the, in the chat. And yeah, guys, let us know how you like it. Nice. And I'll just add on here, Knut, you, you were right also about the fountain in that we will be still uh, supporting uh, fountain on this show will be set up from day one for anyone who's listening to this after the fact on the fountain app or any of the other apps that support value for value. We're already all set. So as soon as the episode goes live, then we'll be on the fountain app at uh, the very minimum. And uh, if, if you are planning to listen to this or if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, yeah, please uh, consider uh, checking out the fountain app if you don't already use it or another of the value for value type apps because it's a great way to support the show in a, uh, an easy way, streaming the stats, value for value. And I think, uh, like many other shows are doing, I think we'll probably do something if we get some boosts on uh, on the uh, value for value. We'll we'll read the top ones or something like that um, going forward here. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, that's one of the best ways you can support uh, the the show if you would like. And I think also on that topic, if you've enjoyed this, if you liked uh, hanging out with us, uh, uh, remember to like and subscribe on YouTube if you joined us there. And uh, sharing is also always appreciated if you uh, could spread the word. So uh, we appreciate that if, if you do that. And one last piece of administration as well here is that uh, this is going live now, but the podcast will probably go up sometime uh, tomorrow. I'm near the end of my day here and I won't get the uh, episode up uh, uh, before, I, before I have to have a sleep cycle. So, but that will come out tomorrow. Yeah, and... Um... 
just to give a reminder to everyone how special they are for for attending this live on this second annual Bitcoin Infinity Day. Uh, I can tell you that Michael Saylor tweeted about Infinity Day six hours ago now, and that tweet has 4,000 likes and 905 retweets uh, where he says, imagine everything there is and everything there ever will be divided by 21 million. And we have like 12 viewers. <laughs> so you're very early. Like like every other Bitcoiner, you're early to the game. Uh, so thank you all for listening. I don't know how many viewers you see on your screen there, Luke, but uh, I guess the, the tweets about this got drowned out in all the other Infinity Day noise. Uh, but nice of you to stop by and listen to us uh, dorks talk about these things anyway. Uh, nice to see you all. Uh, you find all my stuff at uh, knutsvanom.com and uh, I'm at knutsvanom on Twitter where you can find other stuff too. And uh, go to make sure to go to consensusnetwork.com and, uh, and find all the stuff there, uh, all the books, all the translations and this get mesh thing and all the other stuff. Yeah, thank you for... Thank you for doing this, and uh, we'll make sure to get some guests on in the future. And we plan to do a lot of these. Uh, hopefully, it's you know I'm sitting in a room without an AC here, so I'm getting kind of sweaty. So <laughs> it has taken its toll sitting here for one hour and fifty minutes. But uh, good to be here. Thank you, everyone, and have a happy rest of your Bitcoin Infinity Day. Yeah, thanks again, all. This is uh, this has been great, and uh, uh, yeah, you've got Knut's information. Uh, I'm at BTC Sudofin. This is sort of my debut at the community, so nice to be with you all. And uh, yeah, thanks again for for uh, for joining us. Or if you're listening or watching after the fact, please do uh, leave us uh, any any comments or feel free to get in touch. Oh, one other thing, I just remembered. Sorry, Nico, because you get to share your stuff too. Uh, Yoni Appleberg announced to me today that he's started working on a new video, finally. So uh, we're making uh, some of the chapters of everything divided into uh, those beautiful video animations. If you don't know Yoni Appleberg, you should. And you should uh, subscribe to him on YouTube and you should follow him on Twitter at I-O-N-I Appleberg. Uh, uh, I made several w videos with them. You can find them on my uh, website, knutsvalum.com, and uh, you, you can find all the information from there. I, I'm sure you know how the internet works. Yeah, Nico. Yeah, definitely shout out to Yanni Appelberg, uh, brilliant guy, does good work. I'm actually reading his uh, his new book. I'm not going to talk mo more about that. You'll you'll find out later um, in, the, in, in the process of edit, editing and typesetting that. Um, a little bit of a consensus network or the Bit Bitcoin bookshop is that uh, we, we specialize in, in translating and publishing great Bitcoin uh, books and literature. Not, not only books, but also um, the new thing that we're doing. We're doing transcripts for, for podcasts where like, we're, we're turning those into books if you want. We're going to translate uh, websites, anything like the way I would say that no translation agency knows Bitcoin like we do. So that's kind of like our edge. That's what we do. We call ourselves the Bitcoin Publishing House. 
So if you have anything to for us to publish or translate, and Knud is, by the way, our first uh, original English author. He's 21 million book. Um, thanks for that, Knud. Thanks for the trust. We also have Daniel Prince with the, with Choose Life, and, and we have uh, Alex Swetsky on board, and we are onboarding more and more of these uh, original authors. So we're slowly, slowly uh, taking over the Bitcoin publishing space, hopefully, and also localizing, like going back to the whole idea of spreading the knowledge. It is also important, like that's how we started to, to do these translations, even for any kind of language, like even no matter how fringe the, um, the, the audience might be, the, the key is to propagate the information far and wide. So yeah, that's, that's our mission. And that, that's how we are, we are going to build uh, the consensus network empire, so to speak. If you want to be a part of it, you can always PM me or, or uh, email us in info at consensus.network. If you want to translate anything or you, you have, a, have a book to publish or an idea, anything at all, we'll do everything we can to, to help you get your words out. Uh, personally, for me, if you want to follow me, Omnifin, um, on, on both Telegram and, and Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm, I've mostly been retweeting my, um, that the, the company tweets lately, but maybe, maybe I'll get back into writing at some point. But at this point, it's, it's just like, this is what I love about bear markets, so-called bear markets. I mean, Bitcoin has never experienced a bear market. It's always in a constant bull market. Um, but, but that's besides the point. I, I like the fact that the, the noise is being drowned out and the builders remain and the builders keep building. And, and we are, we are going to keep building this bear market and the next one and the next one, because there will always be a next one. But the true believers, so to speak, you know, not to say that Bitcoin is a religion, even though some people think that way, um, they, they will always uh, be forged in the bear markets. So especially like to like maximalists maybe maybe forged in in bull markets as well, but toxic maximalists will be forged in in the bear markets, because that's when you really realize that um, we have a great up uphill battle uh, in front of us to have the better world and and build the empire for our, our children and our grandchildren. So I invite everybody to join us in the so-called Bitcoin Lighthouse project. To shed the light and shed the signal and thank you for everybody to tuning in it was a pleasure knut look fantastic first show there's going to be many more looking forward to it yeah me too great stuff guys thanks again everyone i think that's it for us tonight so we'll see you next time hopefully yep all right happy infinity day happy infinity day <laughs>